Good singing, Rucker. Good singing, little man. <clears throat> he was feeling it. <clears throat> Hope he stays that way. King's kids, if you are in second grade on down, you are dismissed to junior church. <clears throat> you know where you're going? Does she know where she's going yet? All right. Shirley's too tall for King's kids. <clears throat> Not much. <laughs> no comment. All right. Open to Proverbs chapter 10. We're reading the whole chapter, so I, I've got tag team couple reading today. <clears throat> I didn't want to wear anybody out. Proverbs chapter 10. Yeah, yeah, come up here. You don't get the handheld mic. That's special for Pat. <laughs> We're reserving that. <clears throat> now, the title of the message today is, How Do I Read Proverbs? Chapter 10 is going to give us a template for how we need to prepare to read the rest of the chapter. How do I read Proverbs? As they are reading today, <clears throat> interactive reading. While they are reading, you're looking for three things in your bulletin. You're looking for a proverb that you're taking personally. You're looking for a proverb. What's the second one in your bulletin? That you think somebody in your family needs. And third, you're looking for a proverb. What's the third one? Some, that applies to somebody outside of your immediate circle of influence, like your family or your friends. Something personal, something family, friend related. And then something that, that you know, maybe a coworker, maybe a neighbor, uh, somebody more extended. Does that make sense? personal, inner circle, bigger community. So as they are reading, uh, just, just track that in your mind. You're, you're, you're listening, you're reading along, and you're looking, you're mining, you're searching. You're not just passive. When we read up here, when I preach up here, it is not the time to check your brain at the door. When we pray, you pray along. When we read, engage your mind. And, and let this be a reminder, we expect you to bring your Bible to church. We go through large chunks of Scripture, and I'm the one making up these slides. That's why they're kind of funky sometimes. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not inserting all those slides. Bring your Bible to church. If your Bible's on your tablet or your phone, that's okay. I will buy that too. It's in your pocket and it's handy. You're probably going to have access more to it than just a paper Bible, so that's good. Uh, so if you don't have a Bible or a tablet today, look over the shoulder of somebody near you. That's okay. You ready, Eli? I'm as ready as I'm going to be. Now, do you just read until she taps, and, or is she just going <laughs> to let you go? We, we worked out a deal. Well, oh, <laughs> I like it. All right, Proverbs chapter 10. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Treasures gained by the wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he torts the craving of the wicked. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. The wise of the heart will receive commandments, 
but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Whoever winks the eye causes trouble, and a babbling fool will come to ruin. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. On the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found. But a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. The wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. A rich man's wealth is his strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. The wage of the righteous leads to life, the gain of the wicked to sin. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, the heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he, ha and he adds no sorrow with it. Doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. What the wicked dreads will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. When the tempest passes, the wicked is no more, but the righteous is established forever. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. The hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to the blameless, but destruction to evildoers. The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not dwell in the land. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. Good job. <clears throat> Anybody else would like to volunteer or tag team for the weeks to come? Just see me. If I don't get any volunteers, you'll be voluntold. <clears throat> so Proverbs chapter 10. Um, so how'd you do on uh, active listening? Personal, family, neighbor? Did anything jump out to you? When, you, when you're thinking, when you're reading actively, here's what happens to me. Ooh, that works for so-and-so. Oh, oh, they need to hear this. I can use that in counseling. Oh, that's a good one. I can use that when I'm at the Y. That guy needs to hear that. Oh, she needs that verse so bad. I'm gonna write that one down for youth group. Ah, I need to bring that one out at camp. How do I read the Proverbs? Now, get your pen out. See where it says neighbor? Cross it out. See where it says family? Cross that out. And see where it says personal? Circle that one, star it, and write a line to it from how do I read Proverbs to personal. Stop preaching at other people when you're reading your Bible and preach to yourself. 
This is not ammunition to unleash on your kids. This is to unleash on your heart. The purpose of this is not reading and studying so that I can go show people where they are wrong. You are wrong in more ways than you can ever imagine. If we come to the Bible with the mindset of I need to help others, you're missing the point. You can't ever help anybody until you, your heart, your mind are aligned with God. And as we read the Proverbs, we've got to keep checking ourselves and keep bringing ourselves back to the fact that we are studying, we are reading this to grow our love for God. If you get that right, he's gonna give you the words to say to your kids. If you get this right, and he's gonna give you the words to bring and preach and pray at work. Get this right. So the first lesson on how do I read Proverbs is personally. Take it personally. Swallow it. It's a big pill. Sometimes you're gonna choke on it. You're gonna need water, you're gonna need to wash it down, and you're gonna feel it wiggling. You have any, man, I've got a, an omega-3 pill that is ginormous, and I feel that thing like, it's not ever gonna go down. And, and, it, it, and it's here, like most of breakfast, and then it finally goes down. It's like, hmm, what's going? Some of these Proverbs are like that. It's not just a, you know, a spoonful of sugar. Oh. That does sound kind of good though, but not powdered sugar, you'll choke on that bad boy. How do I read Proverbs personally? Stop looking for others because then you'll miss yourself and all of those same places. It's so easy to apply, not just Proverbs, but to apply all the Bible. It's so easy to apply it to others and hard to apply to ourselves. Um, it harkens back to Jesus's famous statement. Remove the beam from your own eye. Then you can deal with the moat or the speck and your brother's eye. Now, that's how we need to see Proverbs. It's showing us it should be showing us where we have glaring problems, which means not every verse is going to stick the same or hit us upside the head the same as we are working through this. All right. There are a lot of different types of Proverbs. The next several blanks, it, I'm trying to classify. I went back through this. I tried to say... What categories do these Proverbs all fit in? I, I see a lot of relationship Proverbs. I see Proverbs, relationship slash heart condition, like talking about me and the status of my heart. Uh, write this down. Proverbs 1, 8, 19, 24, 27. Pretty scattered. Pretty well balanced. And then Proverbs that use the word righteous in reference to righteous living, righteous actions, righteous, whoa, two, three, six, seven, 11, 13, 16, 18, 20, 21, 25, 28, 30, 31, 32. That's a lot. Proverbs, a lot of them, a lot of them are about what it looks like, what it should look like,
to live the life of righteousness, which is consistently doing what is right. It doesn't mean you are perfectly righteous. We know that's only possible by grace through faith in Jesus. And we believe that he died in our place. His righteousness is imputed to us. We are only righteous by faith, not by actions, not by works. Nothing we do makes us more righteous. But these Proverbs are showing you You do this, you're going to be living more and more righteously. Your actions can become transformed in the pattern of your life. It's the righteousness that you've received from Christ, that you've received from God. Abraham was justified by faith. God imputed to Abraham faith, righteousness, hope. And then he walked it, then he lived it out. Did Abraham live it out perfectly? Will you? No. (laughs) <laughs> there's, there's some Proverbs on pride too. <laughs> so pay attention. There's a lot in here about righteous living. Work ethic and laziness. Verses 4, 5, 26. I remember a lot of the lazy Proverbs and there aren't as many as I remember there should be. <laughs> There's a lot more, uh, you know, I've never been really called lazy, so maybe it's it, like I'm projecting, like, oh, there's a lot in there for those lazy people, and then there's a lot more in there about this guy needing to be righteous. I overlooked that. <laughs> like, see, how, see how thinking of other people just stands out? Oh, the Proverbs are about not being lazy. No, they're more about being righteous. There's some spiky words in there for the lazy, those lacking a work ethic. What about your, your personal walk with God or, or the idea of progressing in your faith? Verses 9, 10, 12, 14, 17, 23, 29. Proverbs is going to sprinkle in a lot of talk about how we walk out our, our lives, walking in the way of insight, walking in the way of wisdom walking in the way of our fathers, listening, progressing, growing, changing. And then wealth. Yeah, there's a lot in there about wealth. 15, 22. Again, another one of those areas where I thought, and and it, it is more, there are more of those in the rest of the book of Proverbs, but proportionately, those ones like stand out to me. Maybe I've been through financial peace several times. I've helped lead it and we, we, we bring those verses out a lot to talk about the wisdom of saving for the future, the wisdom of being generous. Like it's in there, but it, again, beating this horse, it's more about your personal righteousness and your walk with God than it is about fixing all these other problems in your life. So how do I read Proverbs? Here are some bullet points. First one, read Proverbs through grace, not law. Read Proverbs through the lens and perspective of grace, not through the lens and perspective of legalism. This is from Solomon to his children, right? Proverbs of Solomon, he's aimed, he's already, we've already prefaced this book, chapters one through nine, he's, he's aiming at his kids. So a son of Solomon does not come to the book of Proverbs and say, okay, if I do all these things, then I can be the king. If I do all these things that dad says to do, then I will be righteous. No, no, no. Then I will be an Israelite. If I do these things, then I will be a descendant of Abraham. 
No. You've already been gifted a lot of that. If you're reading this book as an Israelite, you probably already have faith. You probably already understand that this book is your source of life and identity and meaning and purpose. So a son of, of Solomon comes to this book. I think Solomon himself would say to his kids, you are a blood-bought people. He could say that. Remember the, remember the Passover? Remember the Exodus? Remember the festivals? You paint the blood over the door. You are, they are. You are a blood-bought people existing under the grace of Almighty Yahweh. They, they haven't earned any of this. You are to be a light and a priesthood to the entire world. These are not new concepts. These are ancient concepts, what God intends for his people. And just like they would need to read Proverbs through the lens of grace, because Proverbs are delivered to us with grace. The law has never saved anyone. The Proverbs are not laws. The Proverbs are observations. Now, if you are a Pharisee or, or even a modern day legalist, you can pick up Proverbs and say things like, if I do these things, God will love me. If I live these truths, then I will prosper. If I do what this says, then I will be blessed. If I do this, then I will be redeemed. And you would be wrong. This is not a formula for how to become anything. This is a, these are observations on what it should look like if you are embracing God and God's wisdom. Here are the things that will unfold in your life. You will live this way and you will not live this way. You will make these decisions and you won't make these decisions. It's not gonna be clear cut because even a wise man isn't, can, needs to be rebuked, needs to be instructed and needs to learn. So even wise people who are embracing God and his wisdom are going to sin along the way and they need more grace. And they may act like a fool one day and repent and humble themselves and prove that their heart actually is leaning more towards wisdom. And that's what we pray for fools, for foolishness, for wickedness, for scoffers, that, that God would break through and they would see where they are and want what is better. Nobody ever comes to God until they first get the bad news. He's holy and you are not. He's right and you are wrong. The good news, the bad news, but then the best news, Jesus makes a way for you to embrace the fullness of God's family, of God's relationship, of God's Holy Spirit, and he will begin to change you. What will that change look like? If that's how you come to Proverbs, you're gonna find some good stuff. What does it look like if I live by the power of God's Spirit and he makes me righteous and he teaches me his wisdom and I stop grasping and grabbing after all my own plans? then you will be reading Proverbs the correct way through the lens and perspective of grace, not law. Write this down. The fear of the Lord is love for God. We prove God's love through our wise choices. Not only do we prove his love for us, we prove our love for him. 
To love God and to fear God means we draw near to God. The proper fear and respect of the Lord, fear of the Lord, draws us in to want to know more about Him. If you think the fear of the Lord pushes you away from a harsh, angry God, then you're not fearing the right Lord. And you don't understand who he actually is. He's a God who invites us in. He's a God who pursues us. He's a God who wants us. The fear of the Lord makes us want to draw near to him. We embrace God's wisdom and we live with her. She is calling. God wants us to marry himself. How else can we read Proverbs? So we read it through grace, not law. The fear of the Lord is the love for God. Read Proverbs progressively, comma, for years. Or maybe for life, it is a life sentence to follow Jesus. We want to die in him and be resurrected in him. Read Proverbs progressively. We are meant to grow in wisdom not arrive all at once. This means you are going to get some Proverbs and miss some Proverbs every time we read through it. So here's my, here's my next point. Read until you get something that resonates. How do I read it? Slowly, thoughtfully, until you get to something that really sticks. And this is my suggestion for all of your Bible reading, by the way. Uh, read through the Bible thoughtfully. It's, it's helpful to have a Bible yearly reading program. It's helpful to have a devotional where you read a short passage and, and read a, a paragraph that somebody's commented on it. Uh, it's also helpful to have a, a deep book that's about the Bible, maybe a commentary it, it, those are all good ways to learn, but however you learn best, when you get to something that God is speaking to you personally about, pause, write it down, star it, number it, bookmark it, put on a three by five card, put it in your phone, put it on your calendar, do something to, to engage the scripture and God speaking to you and just slow down, repeat it, memorize it, close your eyes and repeat it to yourself. God, why do I need this so badly? God, what are you trying to say to me with this verse? Oh, how many times I've failed with this proverb. I see myself in it over and over again. I'm the fool. How can I be wise? How can I be righteous? And, and we meditate on it and we read it again and we look it up in other translations and we look it up and we Google it online to see what other people have said about it. And we, we milk it. We squeeze God's word for all that it's worth and we, and we are quenched by every drop of grace he gives us from it. When you come across a passage or a verse that means something to you, go for it. If that means you miss your Bible reading for a couple days, oh boo. If you've come across a passage or a verse of Scripture, meditate on it, chew on it. It becomes your sustenance. 
when it resonates, it resonates for a reason. Don't just blow by it. Don't just be on a schedule, on a checklist. That's very legalistic. That's very narrow-minded. We come to the Bible for God to speak to us, and when he does, you better hit the brakes, and you better listen and respond and do it. If it's something that you can do, if it's rebuking you in an area of life where you have found some guilt or some shame and you need to confess it, then do it. If you've done something wrong to somebody else, go make it right. It's not enough to, oh, that meant a lot to me, and then move on. If it means a lot to you, you should change you. That's how we need to read Proverbs. I'm looking for ways to God, for God to change me. Not all about head knowledge, but about changing me. Not my neighbor, not so I can preach at my kids. Me, me, me. <laughs> this next line. It's not all vitamins and vaccines, but milk and meat. There are some vitamins in Proverbs, and there are some painful, quick vaccines. And you put a Band-Aid on it, thank you, God, for rebuking me today. I need to work on that. <laughs> but then there are going to be a lot of Proverbs that are really simple and sweet, and we should guzzle them and rejoice over the goodness of God. And there are going to be some that we have to chew on. We have to cook it. We have to season it. We have to check the temperature. We have to cut it. We have to chew it. We don't swallow it whole. Or we savor it. it and it, it provides some longer lasting nourishment. Some of it's meat. Full disclosure, I do not know what all these proverbs mean. <laughs> I could take a stab at most of them, you know, and show you what they kind of mean, but they're, they're enigmatic at best sometimes. Sometimes they're addressed to farmers using a style of farming in ancient times or a style of dealing with weights and measurements. That is, I don't know what a gira is. Like how? Sometimes it's gonna go over my head. I don't know them all. So some translations are gonna translate these differently and that's okay too. They're, they're making an effort to make it more understandable. So we're gonna wrestle with some of those. We're gonna wrestle with different translations and different meanings. But remember this, next blank. We are reading Proverbs as a personal journal, not as an instruction manual. These are written by a man who's been given wisdom from God, but he still has to live it out for himself as well. How do you think Solomon spent his days? I used to have this idea that he was like, you know, sitting at his marble desk and God just receiving wisdom, you know, because God was going to give it. To, I don't think of him like that anymore. This dude was busy. 
I see him sitting in his royal courtroom with a line of a thousand people every day coming to him for answers about everything under the sun. What about, what about, what about? He's going to have to deal with uh, inheritance disputes. He's going to have to deal with people caught in adultery. He's going to have to deal with people who are lazy, dealing with wayward children and families. He's dealing with nagging wives and passive husbands. He's dealing with business deals gone sour. He's dealing with injustice in society, judges taking bribes. Like, you, can you see that? Can you picture this guy? If he's the wisest guy and he's the king and he's the leader, people are coming to him. Whoa! Now set Solomon aside for just a second and think of the ways that maybe you have taught your children or the ways that you've learned some really good lessons from your parents or your grandparents. How do kids learn? Well, one, they all learn differently. Watching from our experience. Sometimes through their sins, making bad decisions, watching others, listening to others. <clears throat> listening. Repetition. Repetition. And do they retain a lot? <laughs> Picture this. Solomon fishing with his son. Uh, maybe not, maybe not Solomon. Maybe Mark Meyer fishing. <laughs> Any dad fishing. Son, your anger makes you an ugly person that nobody wants to be around. Yes, you just lost your brand new lure on your first cast. And here we are three hours later and you're still angry. And I don't want to be in this boat with you. You're a monster. Oh, by the way, son, who, who bought that lure for you? Me. Who's the one who picked out the sinking lure? You. Who's the one who hasn't been practicing their casting? You. Son, you're angry for such a small thing. Are you going to let that anger ruin the rest of our day together? Like, kids learn in the heat of the moment. And when you strike, when the iron is hot, when they are in the middle of a problem or they see something and you turn it into a teachable moment. That's how I see, I see Solomon going through his daily affairs and then going home at night and starting to write out Proverbs based upon all the junk he saw that day. Because that's what a good dad does. They take what they've learned and they try to pass it on to their kids. Because this is what I'm seeing. Some of it's personal, some of it's public, right? Or, or, you know, the father-son analogy on the fishing thing, and then they're at the bait, they're back at the uh, boat ramp, right? And a woman walks by in a bikini, and dad gets in the car. Son, let me tell you about the dangers of lust and controlling your eyes. Teachable moment. And then they're at the bait shop, and they, they hear all the other guys talking about all the fish they caught, or the ones that they missed. Son, let me tell you about bragging. So you got anger, you've got lust, you've got bragging. Like in the course of day-to-day -day life, life just happens randomly, right? Why do the Proverbs seem so random? Because Solomon is just writing down everyday life observations and he's teaching his kids this way. That's why. Proverbs are random because life is random. 
and it's that way on purpose. Son, let me tell you about investing. Son, let me tell you about laziness. Son, let me tell you about the righteousness of living a wholesome life. Son, let me warn you about wealth. Son, let me warn you about laziness. Son, let me tell you how fulfilling it is to do a good day's work, to bring in a harvest on time by the sweat of your brow. Son, son, personal journal entries, not laws, not regulations, not necessarily an instruction manual. I'm shifting the way I open up the book of Proverbs and I'm looking for the truth that God needs to teach me. I cannot tell you how many times in the last three weeks. <laughs> it's been at least a dozen times. Different people who go to church here and people who don't go to church here. Hey, what are you preaching on? Proverbs. And their response usually is, ooh, that's rough. <laughs> right? Had somebody do that like yesterday. Again. It's like, why do people think the Proverbs are so rough? Because they're so stinking personal. Because I think if you've read through the Bible long enough, you've read through the Proverbs and something has smacked you and you've realized I've been the fool. Like that, that's it. That, that's it. That's why it's awesome. We're gonna spend more time in the coming weeks unpacking sections of Proverbs. But I just wanted to outline Proverbs 10, give you some bullet points and tell you we can't possibly spend enough time unpacking each proverb in two verses sometimes there are 10 sermons because these are bullet points these are these are observations and the bible says a lot more about the parts that really hit you and so we use these as a springboard we use these to uh, punch us beat us up tenderize us and then we go on the hunt god what else do i need to learn and, and we let the rest of the bible unfold like solomon's own life is going to show us the huge contrast between wisdom and folly right solomon's whole life is going to show us the dangers of adultery and lust and living for physical pleasures versus doing what he says do as i say not as i do he is the poster child of that Listen to me, son, because I'm the fool. He, he would have to agree with that. Well, but God gave you all this wisdom. Even if you know the right thing to do and you can help other people, it doesn't mean you're right. That's why we keep going back to making this personal, making this personal. Proverbs are random because life is random. Do you, does anybody feel that? Does life feel random? Yeah, Eric, life feel random sometimes? Boom, 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 boom. It's not the same thing all day. Thank you for Proverbs. It's good. But the randomness of life keeps coming. <laughs> and while the randomness will seem to keep coming in the book of Proverbs as we read, I want you to think of it as purposeful randomness. If you have a short attention span, Proverbs is for you. That's good. If you've never memorized scripture, Proverbs is a good place to start. You're gonna find one verse with one sentence that you can break up usually into two equal parts. Memorize 
memorize. Put it on the mirror while you're brushing your teeth. Put it on your instrument before you go to practice. Put it on top of your PlayStation or your Xbox before you start gaming. Tape it to the back of your phone. If you, what is on the back of my, oh, my memory verse. That's right. Let me, I need to do that today. Work at it. Proverbs are good. They're very useful for that. And they're random and they're repetitive because life is random and life is also repetitive. (sighs) This is just the beginning of the rest of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 1 through 9 was the introduction last week. Proverbs 9 was the hinge point. Make a decision. And then uh, now we are going to outline the, I'm going to call it Proverbs proper. You will either love God's wisdom and grow into a wise learner or you will grasp after folly, hurt yourself and hurt other people repeatedly. From here on out, we're gonna dig into these Proverbs each week. I encourage you to read ahead. Read ahead. This week, read ahead to Proverbs 11. After I preach on Proverbs 11, read ahead to Proverbs 12. If you read through that a couple times in the week, every day would be golden. Every day would be golden. You're gonna probably find one that resonates with you and you'll probably also find one that you're like, I don't understand that one. Circle them both. Make a mark on both of them. Some of them are obscure. Some of them are very pointed. So read ahead. We will look for patterns. We'll discuss some of the more familiar Proverbs And I hope we begin to see a larger story unfolding from a father to his children. And remember this, your last line. The only way to grow wise is to marry yourself to God. And you need to think of it as more than a commitment. You need to think of your faith as more than an intellectual interaction We need to think of our relationship with Jesus more along the lines of till death for all of my life and it should impact every area of my life. I should not be making decisions here on the side that are gonna impact my relationship with God. He needs to come first in my thoughts. Just like you, if you are in a relationship, you want to come first in somebody else's thoughts. That's how they show that they love you. That's how we show God that we love him. We marry our hearts, our minds, our will, our emotion, our financial future, all of our other relationships. We marry everything to him. God is a spirit. He's not male or female. He's God. He's bigger than that. So don't, get, don't, don't stumble over the marriage thing. Well, I'm a dude. How do I marry? I'm, this is a metaphor, an extended figure of speech, trying to show you how you need to wed yourself, make a lifelong commitment to be faithful to God. When you do that, his wisdom comes alive. When you do that, His words have new meaning. You're doing your part. He will do his part. He will be faithful. He will show up. Stand with me. I want to pray with you this morning. Not just about Proverbs, but the way that we use the Bible every day. Bow your head and close your eyes for just a minute.
and think about this question. Am I quick to use the Bible on others rather than myself? Am I reading the Bible to impact others instead of letting it impact me? Do I want the Bible to change my family instead of me? Am I using the Bible to rebuke my kids instead of letting the Bible rebuke me? Think deeply about that for just a second. Does your mind quickly jump to other people when you're reading the Bible? Begin to see and understand that you're going about it the wrong way. That is the heart of criticism. That is the heart of the judgmental. That is not the way of Jesus. Sometimes the most churched people are the most lost. Because we think we get it, but then we use it on other people instead of applying it to ourselves first. Ask God right now to help you read the Bible for yourself. Ask God to use His Spirit to change you. And ask God to help you stop using the Bible to attack other people. To remove the beam of hypocrisy from your own eye so that your heart is sensitive enough to help people the way God wants to help them with grace and with forgiveness. God, we come to you this morning and we ask for your help. Change us. Help us to be a people that cares. Help us to be a people that, that look for you in the pages of Scripture. And help us to be a people that considers ourselves and puts ourselves under your word first and foremost. So then we have truth to stand on. So that then we can actually love our neighbors the way that you have loved and accepted us. God, protect us from pride. Protect us from self-righteousness. Make us teachable we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love, at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee.
Take my voice and let me sing Always only for my King Always only for my King Take my lips and let them be Filled with messages from me Take my silver and my gold, not of my good I withhold, not of my good I withhold. Take my love, my God, I pour at thy feet its treasure store. Take myself and for today is from Psalm 104. <clears throat> Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a cloak, stretching out heaven like a tent curtain. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He walks upon the wings of the wind. O Lord, how many are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. Amen. You are dismissed. <clears throat>